Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today is episode 27. We are looking at John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. That's it? Yeah. Yep. How are you doing? Doing well. Good, yeah. good. So here's a question for you. Uh, so when was the last time you changed your mind? Oh, very timely yesterday. All right. What, what happened? So here's the thing. We were, some of us on staff were talking at lunch, and I said that I was no longer drinking coffee in the morning. I'd found this um, kind of coffee alternative. It's made from dandelion root. It doesn't, it sounds disgusting, doesn't it? But it's not, it's not terrible. And I was like resolving myself that yes, I could, I can make this change. Well, then I was told uh, that coffee doesn't, is not uh, a diuretic. Like, have you ever heard that? That is what I've always yeah, heard yeah. is that like, it yeah. actually counts negatively for your hydration, whatever. So we had this very involved conversation backed up by medical professionals. So I enjoyed a delicious cup of coffee this morning and decided I'm not going to be so hard on myself about coffee. It's not as bad as I thought it was. So okay. I'm well, going to enjoy it. I like that. That's yeah. that's that's great. Um, but coffee from dandelion root, that's... Uh... I know. And the unfor- I then did try to cancel the order of that. <laughs> Were you like, able to? No. So it's still coming. And it honestly, it's not, it isn't bad. It's... You can't think like, oh, this is exactly coffee. It's more like this is a hot beverage that is coffee-ish. So I'll do a little of each. Okay. But, right. you know, I am a very black and white person. So to be able to let that go and okay. be like, right. I had set my mind that I was not going to drink coffee anymore. And then, all right, okay, I'm opening it back up. I'm going right. to be flexible on it. Well, that's, that's really good. You? Well, you know, it again, mine happened yesterday as well. This is not like your coffee illustration, but um, typically when I... Uh, the person that I'm discipling, we meet on Wednesday nights, and um, and we we had a number of places that we would go eat, and I had one thing in mind. Um, you know, again, I liked Five Guys, and and he says, and that was kind of my thinking, mm-hmm. and he sent me a text and said, "Hey, let's go to the Taste of Thai. Never been there before, right on Grand River, yep. right a little bit beyond Okemos, and it was absolutely it was it was wonderful i loved the food number one but i loved the one of the owners her name is tai t-a-i not like okay. t-h-a-i A-I, yes and um and so we got to talking about you know the spartans and basketball and football and so i thoroughly enjoyed not only the food but i enjoyed uh her and and i will be going back and so I am so glad I didn't choose five guys yeah. and chose to taste the tie. So there out. it is. You got to enjoy an, an yeah. experience and interaction that Absolutely. you otherwise wouldn't have had. Absolutely. So the reason the reason I asked the question, the reason we had this conversation about coffee and food, um, is that in our passage today, there there was a group of people that actually changed their mind about Jesus. Yeah. And they were not believers in Jesus, and they actually began believing in Jesus. There's obviously another group of people that didn't believe. They mm-hmm. didn't change their mind at all, but there were some that actually changed their mind. And uh, and there was a reason why they changed their minds about Jesus and thought differently about him. What, what do you what do you think? What what yeah. helped them to change their mind? So this the whole context of this section is on the back end of Lazarus being raised from the dead. How would you like that a person being raised from the dead at your dinner table. a pretty big deal. Very, <laughs> very amazing miracle. Um, we talked in the last episode, that's the seventh sign. Yep. John had lined up 
told us right off, there are going to be seven signs. These are all pointing to who Jesus is so that you can believe him, that he is the son of God. So this is the seventh one. It is a big deal. But I love right off the bat in this passage, in verse 45, within the first phrase, therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary, so Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, I love that idea that the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, Jesus, believed in him. But I love that they came, that phrase that was included, that they came to Mary. Like Mary obviously had a relationship with yeah, this group of people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and one where she was respected, um, she was connected to them so that they were with her experiencing, well, the death and more grieving over her brother and then having it, that situation completely turned on its head. I just like that because John didn't have to include that, that they came to Mary, but I think that's significant because women were not thought highly of in biblical times. Their opinions um, weren't taken seriously, but clearly Mary's were. Yeah, she, she yeah she had a again a great reputation, and again they they came to her to as you mentioned to help her grieve and mourn, and um, the the fact that. Um, you know, they, they came to the tomb with, uh, with her, it, it says that I'd imagine she had a discipling relationship with them, yeah. whether they, whether they were, again, with the text says they're not necessarily believers at this point, but I, I, I would have to believe that Mary is kind of working on them and spending time with them and eating with them mm-hmm. and sharing the amazing miracles that, um, that Jesus is doing. But so she's probably pouring into them, but we see them now pouring into her yeah. as she's grieving. And so the fact that you, as you mentioned, as they, because they came to the tomb with her, it says that there was this symbiotic relationship. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. She was inviting them in to, and sharing a, probably the most difficult situation in her life. And I think that is a good um, prompt for us as believers to invite people into the hard things too. Like, because life is hard and we don't want to just portray that. Oh, yep. Everything is great. And God is good. And yep. And here's some great little encouraging Bible verses, but because that's not relatable. Yeah. But Mary invited them in. They saw her grieving the loss of her brother and then this amazing miracle. I think that's, that is a powerful and a good reminder to us to invite people in fully into our lives because that, that's how true relationship, authentic community, as we like to say, really, that's what that looks like. Yeah, and, and in this case, you know, they come to the tomb with her to, um, you know, to, and, and they see a miracle. And to your point, when we invite people into our lives, they actually get a chance to see the miracle of transformation as well, yep. which, is, which is attractive, at least what I would hope it would be attractive, that... You know the the people in my neighborhood, the people in your neighborhood. We invite them in, and they see like, like you prayed something and God answered, and um and there's there's these little minor quote unquote minor miracles, but the, obviously the major miracles are life transformation. Mm-hmm. So they get to the tomb, and and Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, and and these individuals saw that. And they believe. Now, again, John tells us in John 20, like at the beginning of when we started this series, John 20, 30 and 31, that um, I've chosen particular signs so that people might believe and have life in his name. And so 
if John were to look back and say, oh, it's happening, it's working, like these signs <laughs> are doing exactly what I wanted them to do, which is cause people to believe. And, and these people saw what Jesus did and they placed their faith. They said, we are going, everything that was said about Jesus is absolutely true. And today we're placing our faith in yeah. him. Yeah. Her experience led and her inviting people into her experience led other people to believe it. Yeah. It is reflective of the woman at the well yeah. where her testimony telling, telling others what Jesus did for her led people to believe. And now we have, Hey, walk, you're right here next to me. You're seeing it happen. And that experience le leads them to believe. I think yeah. both of those are powerful for us to think about, like, as we're telling how we're experiencing God in our lives, that makes an impact. God uses that. And then as we're inviting others along, both of those. Yeah. I, so so let's let's walk this out a little bit. Let's, okay. let's walk this out in terms of they believed. It's, again, we already talked about it. This is not just mental assent. Right. This is not just, hey, I believe something and I know it in my head. This is actually, this is the, in, in my estimation, believing something in this case, believing Jesus is kind of violent. And what this is what I mean by that is now I am literally rearranging my entire life around something that I believe. Mm -hmm. In this case, these individuals began on that day, staking the ground, began to rearrange their lives around the truth about Jesus. And so, so let me let me ask you, what what does believing in Jesus look like? to you or what you've seen and what, yeah. how does that play out and not just in my head? So it actually makes me think of the stories we told at the beginning. That's what it's not. It's not just a, oh, well, now I will drink coffee in the morning again. Like right. that, right. that is not a revolutionary change. I changed my belief, even belief, I feel like it's too strong <laughs> a word for that, but that, that had a minor effect, although I did enjoy my cup of coffee this morning. But when we're talking about life transforming belief, yeah, it does mean, I mean, changes of my choices of how I spend my time, um, of how I view people, yeah. of things that I maybe held as preferences. I mean, how, how I interact with those and, and sharing with other people. I mean, it really, because by, the God's word is pretty clear on a lot of how we should live. It it should have a revolutionary effect on our thoughts, attitudes, actions, and words. Yeah, and 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 we can we can actually look at the antithesis and say, if you're not practicing it on a regular basis, then you have to ask the question: Do you really believe it? Yeah. So so there from belief comes this practice, and this practice is I am going to now. Um, do something about what I believe. If I love my wife, I am going. If I say I. I believe that I love my wife, then that is going to look different. There's going to be my ability to not only physic, uh, to to um, verbally tell her that, but you know, gifts and presents, speaking her love language, and all of those kinds of yep. things. And so, um, and I, I like like it's not just enough to get information and to say that we believe something it actually has to, uh, action has to follow. Yeah. And we see that in this passage with some of these, these Pharisees who kind of want to go and be tattletales, uh, to the chief priests. Cause they, I think this is interesting in verse 47, they say, 
what are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? If we let him go on like this, like they're not denying the miracles. Right. He is doing them. They can see that. They, if they didn't see it for themselves, they've heard it. So they're not denying what Jesus has done, but they're not believing it. It's not taking, it's not resulting in a heart change. And so I think that is an important distinction. We might believe in God or believe in a general sense that, you know, there is a higher power or, or maybe we even say, yeah, I believe in Jesus and that he died for my sins and rose from and rose again. But if that doesn't translate into something more than just the intellectual ascent, it, it isn't worth anything. Absolutely. I, I, and again, you're, you're pointing out the, the, the Sanhedrin who saw the signs. That, and again, they, there was enough credible evidence that Jesus was the Messiah based on the signs that he did, whether it's turning the water to wine, whether it's, it's um, you know, walking on the water, stopping the storm, the, you know, healing the young boy, whatever it is. But in this case, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, this was a credible evidentiary sign to say there is, there is no other um, there's no other recourse other than for us to believe, and yet they do not. Which lets me know that when people are presented with evidence, they really only have two op- evidence about Jesus. They only really have two options: either I'm going to believe, or I'm not going to believe. In this case, they consciously chose to uh, to not believe, mm-hmm. even with the evidence there. And again. That becomes delusional at that point. That becomes, you know, this this self-denial that here is truth and I'm denying that it's there. Yeah. And um and there are, you know, I'm quite sure there are a lot of other reasons why they chose not to believe, whether it's holding on to their power or other other things. But the fact that they consciously chose not to believe, they will have to deal with the consequences right. of their unbelief. I think there's application for us as believers here too. Um, because we are, it's our mission, as we say, we're awakening, we were awakening people to full life with Christ. So even believers are continuing to awaken in understanding. At least that's what we should be doing. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, James says, faith without works is dead. So if, if we are not increasingly looking more and more like Jesus, then there is a, there's a disconnect there. And um, if God reveals something to us in his word or through someone else, and we don't and that doesn't make a difference in our behavior, our actions, our words. James, when he says, you know, it's like looking in a mirror and then you, well, he doesn't say this, but you see a big piece of broccoli <laughs> right in your front teeth and then you turn around and you don't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's like when we're like, yeah. oh, God has said that um, I should do everything without complaining or arguing. Interesting. And then we go on and live our life complaining and arguing about everything that doesn't go our way. That's like looking at the mirror, seeing something that needs to be taken care of there, but you just ignore it and, and go on living. Yeah. Are, are you saying I have broccoli in my teeth? I'm not. You're doing okay. just fine. But okay. I would tell you, <laughs> and I would hope that you would respond and do something about it. <laughs> I think I would. I, I, and again, th- this, is a, this is a, it's a simple truth, but it's not necessarily easy. And that's the reason we, um, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit to actually, when we do fail, 
um, or we do fail to live out what we believe, he convicts us, and then he gives us another opportunity to actually change that. And so, you know, again, for those who are listening, you're a believer, um, you know, ask the question, what is a truth that Jesus has revealed to me that he is calling me to actually practice? Again, but if you believe it, then you will practice it. Now, again, if there's individuals you've not, uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've not surrendered your life to him, just like these Pharisees, they saw the evidence and chose not to believe, I would begin asking, what, what's keeping me from believing that Jesus is truly Messiah? Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's the evidence. And if you say, well, I, like, I, I need more, then, man, we can, we can give resources and show you. But ultimately, you can have all the resources in the world, and it reveals who Jesus is. Ultimately, you're going to have to make a decision to say, is this true or is it not true? So I think in this passage, there's something for the, both the believer and the person who has not yet surrendered their lives to Jesus. I agree. So as we wrap up this episode, what can we believe about God, ourselves, and others from this passage? Man, I, I think, again, what John says in uh, 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 chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that I am, um, I'm writing these signs, I'm recording these signs so that you might believe and have life in his name. So I believe that um, what, what we can believe about God, God is going to um, show us and give us reason and evidence to believe. Mm-hmm. He's not leaving, he doesn't leave himself without a witness, whether it's supernatural signs or whether it's the sign of the transformation of a heart, he is going to give us evidence of his existence, his love, and we can trust that he is going to leave breadcrumbs all over the place for us to find him and not just leave us in the dark. That's right. And the thing that's standing out to me, I want to circle back just to Mary's example for us. Um, What I can believe about myself is that I can invite others along in my experience with God um, and that God can reveal himself to someone else as they are observing and participating in my life. And that, that's who I want to be. Yeah. I want to be an inviter and a that. welcomer I love that. Um, for others in my life. Yeah, so. I love that. And if you have questions, man, if you have any questions at all about who Jesus is, um, is, is he uh, all that he says he is, and you don't have the resources, man, we can provide you resources uh, so that you might begin exploring Uh, who Jesus is, and uh, as John says, uh, not only believe, but also have life in his name. That's right. Thank you, friends, for listening. We encourage you to share this with someone else. Um, Listen together, have a spiritual conversation of your own.